Today we're talking top four opening scenes with a special guest. What's up, everyone? You're watching the VHS Files. I'm Josh. Here with me, as always, is Eric. And uh, Jason's not with us tonight. So Jason's on a much-needed vacation. But in his place, we brought in a big gun. From Not A Bomb Podcast, we have Brad. Brad, how you doing tonight, bud? I am doing fantastic. Thanks for having me, buddy. Welcome, Brad. Hey. Greetings and salutations. Big guns. You got big shoes to fill. You got to fill Jason's shoes tonight, man. How do you feel about that? Ooh, so I talk about Halloween over and over and over again. <laughs> you have to mention the crow at least three times. Okay, comic books. <laughs> Venom, you got to bring up Venom every once in a while. Mm -hmm. Spider-Man. You and I are sharing one brain, one yeah. of those things. Okay, yeah. there you go. So yep. you and I have to mind meld through this entire okay. episode. I hope you're ready. We thought it would be fun to bring Brad on for one of our top four episodes. And tonight we are doing top four opening scenes in movies. So how did you guys feel about opening scenes? Uh, was, this, was this a tough, tough one for you guys to make a list on? Did you scribble four down real quick? T tell me what was going on in your heads. I immediately had my four. <laughs> wow. Wow. I wasn't even that sure of my four. <laughs> um, I, I think this one's a little bit more straightforward than some of the ones we've had before. Uh, you know, some require some deep dives, but I do think this one is a little bit, I think we might have some overlap between us. We'll see. But I think there are some stellar opening scenes and films that stand above the rest. And we might, we might have some overlap, but we'll see how it goes. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, I, there's one movie in particular I'm wondering if all three of us are going to have, but that's just that's just me thinking about things. We better. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we better. You know, opening scenes can mean a lot of things, but I mean, I'm, I'm thinking like the what leads up to your title card reveal or at least what brings you into the movie. And I kind of went on like the movies that affected me on that first time watch. I remember watching that first scene of the movie and it was like, holy f I've got to watch the rest of this movie. And that's kind of where I pulled from uh, with these movies or or for whatever reason, the, the opening scene was just something that blew my mind. Did you guys come at it from the same perspective or did you have particular things in, like, Brad, you said you got yours real fast. Is mm -hmm. it just because you you have those movies on, on hand all the time or it was just one of those categories where it was like, oh no, I know for sure. No, I know for sure because I, I'm a loser and I think about things like this all the time about like onboarding <laughs> How films like onboard the audience and let them know like here is what you can expect for the next two hours here is um the tone and and the music and all everything that makes a film the first however minutes long this is this is our introduction to how we want the audience to feel at the very beginning and i remember vividly being in the theater for all of these and being affected by them so eric you you kind of the same way well, yeah, yeah, fairly. I, I, you know, not every movie has an opening scene that sort of sits separately right. from the rest of the film, right? So some movies just sort of get right into the narrative, and some movies have these sort of opening scenes that sort of sit separately. They usually establish some kind of exposition or a tone, like uh, Brad was saying. They'll set the tone for the film. When you think of it that way, when you think of some of these movies that that have this sort of opening segment that is sort of a setup scene those are the ones to me that rise to the top yeah of course and then uh and then you have to look at those and you go okay you know what movie lives up to its opening scene mm -hmm. and 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 you know what's what opening scene really delivers by the end and you can go back to that beginning and be like yeah that thing yeah hit you know it it, it tell, told me what i was in for and it's exactly what i got so right. yeah that was kind of my mentality and that was actually one of the things that kind of pulled back on a couple of the movies that i was thinking about for this is while the opening scene may have been something that is memorable maybe it didn't draw me in as much as something else did so it was one of those things too when i was doing the research for this is is like you know like you just mentioned eric not all movies have that just Oomph, that pizzazz of, of an opening scene that brings you right into a movie. A lot of things, you know, most movies will take to the slower route and, and kind of get to the story slow and, 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 and just sort of bring you in at their own pace. And uh, I, I'm just a sucker for movies that immediately, like within the first five, 10, whatever minutes, they're just like, nope, we've got you. 
let's let's do this, my man. Let's 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 fucking rock this movie real quick. You know? Well, I think the I think the blockbuster is certainly something known for sort of the opening scene. Right. Uh, you know, a lot of these movies that I'm looking at for this list were blockbuster movies. And uh, one thing I'm curious to see if is if any Bond ends up on your list as you've been, <laughs> you know, exploring the Bond films. Famously, the Bond movies always open with a little yeah, the cold shorts, opens. basically. Yeah, the cold yeah. opens, yeah. And, and, and yeah, and uh, so I'm curious to see if any Bond... I mean, you, you've only barely scratched the surface of Bond in your... Yeah, I mean, I'm, your, I'm just, uh, now, just now wetting my feet into the Roger Moore era, but I mean, already, I, I will say no Bond made my top four, but there's definitely a case to be made. From Russia With Love has a killer opening scene. Um, one that just kind of throws the viewer for a loop. You're introduced to the villain of the movie right there in the beginning, uh, Mr. Robert Shaw. Uh, it, it's it's definitely my favorite Bond cold open that that, that I've seen so far. So it's funny. Yeah, you br- and you're bring way early. Yeah. You got quite a few to get through. <laughs> so yeah, definitely check out me and our friend Nathan's show on the on the channel for new eyes only we talk about our uh talk about bond movies i'm watching them all for the first time so head over and check those out let's get this over with shall we without further ado let's get into our top four opening scenes and since we have a guest with us tonight brad we're gonna let you kick off with your number four okay my number four is a film from 2011 um it is uh probably one of my favorite films of the last 20 years it is Drive. You give me a time and a place, I give you a five minute window. Anything happens in that five minutes and I'm yours, no matter what. Anything happens a minute either side of that and you're on your own. You get uh, Driver laying out the rules, you get the music, uh, tick of the clock, you get to Cranston, and then you basically get the Clippers <laughs> on the radio, and it lasts, you know, it's a good 10 minutes, and it basically lays out how this film is going to be. Ryan Gosling's character is going to be real quiet and calculated. Um, <laughs> the music is going to slap, and there's going to be some really cool driving, but it's just going to be a different film, and it starts off such, like, I, when I was in the theater seeing that film, I was like, this This is the greatest movie I've ever seen in my entire life after that first 10 minutes. And I mean, it really goes from there too, but that first 10 minutes is unbelievable. The music in that movie is amazing. I still listen to that soundtrack yeah. from time to time. Night Call is great. Oh my God. The clock, yeah, all of it is all so good. good. When that yeah. title card drops and that song comes in, yeah. it's, it's, oh. And I'm gonna go ahead and contribute to the conversation and I'm already surprised that this is happening, Brad. Drive is my number four. Nice. Okay. <laughs> so, yep. uh, yeah. Even I mean, the font, even like when it has the credits with the gold, with the neon pink cursive, you're yeah. I'm just like, oh, I love this. But honestly, yeah, I, the I, style in that movie's nuts. And I have this on for, I think, the opposite reason you do, Brad, because I feel like the opening scene of Drive makes you prepared for a movie that you don't really get in the end. Uh, and I think that's a lot of a lot of what people had a problem with with this movie originally. I didn't see it in the theater. I saw it at home and I was blown away by the opening scene. And I was like, oh, fuck, yeah, this is going to be good. I'm game. Everything Brad just said, I'm, I'm ready for. And then I was a bit surprised at how much it doesn't really dive into the action and the chases. Like you really get a lot less of that. Sure, it's. Maybe a little slower than people expected. I love the fact that the game is on from the moment you see him talking on the phone. He's meticulously planned out every single inch of what's going to happen and what we're about to see. And then the fact that it ends with that, you know, where he pulls into the parking lot with the the game and walks away. Like, it was one of those where it's like, God damn, that is the coolest shit I've seen. But... I don't feel like you really get another one of those in drive. And that's what's that's what makes it stand out to me. Like you do get some action sequences throughout, but it's nothing like that first beginning sequence in the movie. Yeah, I was just more talking about like the character building that takes place in the first 10 minutes. Oh, true. Yeah, you you get yeah, you understand what he's like and then you you understand what he's capable of. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, while he's being quiet the rest of the film, you know what he's capable of. You know yeah. he's good at what he does. He's three or four moves ahead of everyone else. 
And was right. this everybody's first experience with Nicholas Winding Refn? No. Yeah. No. It was. It was definitely mine. What, what had you seen previous to this, Brad? The Hollow Rising. Ooh, that's on my. That's been on my list for years, dude, and I have not watched it yet. Cross it off. It's good. The Northman kind of. The Northman kind of gave me some vibes from yep. Valhalla. Yep, for sure. Bit. Well, I like the Northman, so that's cool. Wendy Refn is one of those directors that pulls from all the directors that I love. You know, he's definitely inspired by David Lynch, and and David Cronenberg, and all of those things. With he's got these these just crazy stints of horror that happen in his movies just out of nowhere which i think pulls from that sort of uh david lynch david cronenberg direction i'm good on on winding refn except for only god forgives i hated that i movie. skipped that one i've been that one. i've been trying to force feed it ever since i saw it and, and and that one coming right off of drive was i think that's why that one struck a weird nerve for everybody because i think um, i think so too the 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 deviation from drive to only god forgives is so vast that it's hard to appreciate it for what it is because it's yeah. not drive and, and you've got the same actor in there mm -hmm. which is even Asse essentially, might have been could, a essentially could be playing the same character in a sense you know like yeah. it's just a completely different feel but i think after i started getting a love for lynch movies I went back and watched Only God Forgives, and it kind of sat with me a little bit better. Even though it's still going to be a, a gut punch to people expecting something like Drive coming into that movie, you're going to be severely uh, butt hurt <laughs> by the end of that. Yeah, but I like Neon Demon. So. Neon Demon I liked a lot. Ooh, Neon Demon's great. Yeah, I like that as well. But yeah, uh, but yeah I mean, Winding Refn's one that I definitely keep my eye on anytime I hear he's directing something. I'm usually gonna gonna seek it out. It's just that first episode of his TV show <laughs> didn't really bring me in. So, but maybe I'll get back to it at some point. But there you go. That's mine and Brad's number four. We're matching up already. Sharing your brain. <laughs> um. All right. My number four is 2006's Children of Men. I love that movie. Um. And this is a great example of cleverly setting up a film. You know, you got a news report. You get what year it is, you get the youngest person in the world just died. Diego Ricardo, the youngest person on the planet, was 18. Our main guy, he walks out, we see him pouring some whiskey into his coffee, so clearly he's, you know, struggling a bit himself, and then we, we, we see the explosion. Boom. Boom. And then that moment with that woman walking with her arm, and then cuts to the title screen you just it's like damn like this shit is wild and uh the rest of the movie was excellent and it's a it's another long shot which you get you get later in the film you get one of the greatest oh the car the car shot yeah. oh the warner oh my god so good yeah so uh, you know you get this this is set up as a as a long take long shot you get some more excellent long shots later it was only 2027 too so we're not that far away <laughs> yeah we're actually I, we're not that far away <laughs> i love near future sci-fi by the way i just <laughs> want to throw that out there near future is like there's an unsettling element to that go like oh that's not that far away if you're getting into like year 4000 i don't care but you're like 2027 yeah. oh shit battlefield earth <laughs> you know you don't care about that but <laughs> no well, we'll see. We're so close to The Handmaid's Tale, it's not even oh, funny. I know. <laughs> I know. I have to say, um, Children of Men was a huge bomb, and therefore, it was actually the first episode of Not a Bomb. So if you're Oh, curious, I did not know that. I need yeah. to maybe go back and hit that up. I love yeah. Children of Men. I'm curious to see what you guys think. It's a movie that I haven't seen a ton, but it's, it's because it's... I feel like it's like a, an Aronofsky movie in the sense that it's so it's such a fucking bummer. It's, it's one of those movies that's so good, but you don't want to watch it because it's so fucking sad, you know? Mm. It's like yeah, Requiem, I mean, Requiem for a Dream or something like that. It's like it's such I a good movie. I wouldn't put it but... quite at that level of, of <laughs> sadness. But uh, yeah, I know what you mean. It's a, it's, it's a bit of a bleak film. All right. Well, that was Eric's number four. We're moving on. Number three, Brad, give us your number three. Yeah, so I saw this film opening weekends and the, about the first, I don't know, 20 minutes or so, maybe not that long, 15 minutes. Um, we're just kind of following one character around as he does stuff. And I remember vividly 
a man in the theater looks over to his wife and says, honey, we're leaving. This guy hasn't said anything this whole time. And they walked out. <laughs> they walked out of There Will Be Blood, which is uh. one of the best movies of all time. <laughs> Paul Thomas Anderson, Daniel Day-Lewis. I mean, that's basically all you need to know. Daniel Plainview is probably one of my favorite villains of all time. Um, mm. God, it has some gut-wrenching scenes, but that, again, it just sets up this guy and his sort of determination, even as he falls down and breaks his leg and climbs out and does, you know, all this stuff. And hey, guess what? There Will Be Blood is a pretty good movie. I don't know if you guys know this or not. <laughs> um, yeah, I vividly remember this guy just getting up and leaving. And I That's was shocked funny. because I was enthralled in this other guy was completely annoyed by the fact that there was hardly anything really going on, right? Yeah. Like people weren't getting shot or there wasn't a high speed chase. It was a period <laughs> piece about oil and this guy was having none of it. So, well, I mean, just the, 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 the pump breaking and that piece falling down on the guy in the oil mm -hmm. and like busting his head open. Like that was enough to make that stick with me. Yeah. It sets and up the danger of the, what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's that and the end of the movie are really the only two things that I that I, that I really have a good grip on remembering. The middle of the movie, I haven't seen it enough to be able to get into all of the that. Explosion? I, you don't I, remember I, the explosion? Well, well, now that you say that, yeah. I do, but it, it doesn't come to mind immediately. But that yeah. beginning piece and then the end of the movie definitely stick with you. Um, I didn't even consider that one, so yeah, that's a good pick there, Brad. I like that. Okay. Well, I guess I'll go next since I kind of went next last time. My number three is a movie that came out in the 90s. I'm not sure the year because I didn't do that much research, but I found out later in life that it was connected to Tarantino, which kind of makes me understand why I was drawn to it. But it's 1994, I think's Natural Born Killers. Shit, man. I'm a natural born killer. Ooh, yes. Oh, shit. The opening scene of Natural Born Killers, I vividly remember watching in my living room and not understanding what the hell I was watching on TV. God almighty, what the hell is that? All I knew is Woody Harrelson was in this crazy ass movie. But the <laughs> fact that it sets up these two people, it keeps switching back and forth from black and white to color. You get all these cartoony moments. You get introduced to Woody Harrelson and Juliette Lewis, uh, their characters, Mickey and Mallory. The entire conversation about key lime pie is <laughs> in just like I was enamored with what just the fact that they were talking about key lime pie, which I had never eaten at that point in my life, was so enthralling to me. Well, I ain't had key lime pie in 10 years. When you had it, did you like it? Aren't you from the South? I am from the South. Oh, okay. And it might be because Not the South enough. The, the yeah. key, it might be because the key lime pie <laughs> that's in the scene looks nothing like real key lime pie. It's almost like a neon green, which key lime pie is not neon green. Once you get Juliet Lewis standing up, turning on the jukebox, dancing over in the corner, and it's like, what is this movie I'm about to watch? Are you flirting with me? <laughs> when Shitless literally drops onto the fucking record player in the jukebox and starts playing, and Juliet Lewis commences to kick in this redneck's ass, I was like, what in the fucking world am I watching? <laughs> it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen at that point in my life because I had never seen anything like this. Had you guys ever experienced a movie like that? I was way too young. <laughs> <laughs> but I, that was part of the thing with it is I was young watching that movie and I was just like, I have never seen anybody make a movie like this before. Are you are you a natural born killers guy or are you a true romance guy? I, I they're kind of on the same playing field for me. They, I, they could be interchangeable, honestly. I'm kind of the same way. If you have to choose, I don't know why we have to choose, but if you do, I'm true romance all the I'm way. I'm probably that way, but if you ask me tomorrow, it might be Natural Born Killers as well. You know, it changes. I'm I'm kind of a baby. Like Natural Born Killers is like so brutal. I'm I can't connect with the characters because they're just so awful. Like I need somebody that's a little more relatable. And that might be a lot of people's problem with that movie is you can't connect to the characters because they're fucking psychopaths. Yeah, they're psychopaths. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and but the, you but know, Josh you can. I can absolutely can. I'm I'm apparently a, a closeted psychopath, uh, 
But the fact that you've you've also got like Robert Downey Jr.'s in that movie. I completely mm-hmm. forget that Robert Downey Jr. is a character in that movie. Rodney Dangerfield's in Rodney that movie. Dangerfield. Yeah. <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones. Tom Sizemore. You forget all of these great actors are giving great performances in this movie, but it's not a feel-good movie, yeah, for sure. I will never forget the opening of that movie because it stuck with me when I was a kid. And it's just I think that's where my love for Tarantino started without even knowing that Tarantino was involved with that movie at that time. But that would be my number three. Eric, what's yours? I'll go with a movie that changed the landscape of blockbusters, a movie that changed the landscape of action films. And I and I think its opening scene did a good job of establishing like, oh, shit, this is different. Uh, 1999's The Matrix. Unfortunately, no one can be told what the matrix is you have to see it for yourself oh you get some intro with trinity and then trinity has to escape the matrix she's being chased by police she jumps into the air in a cool ass position and you get the your first like uh what do they call that bullet time shot And you're just like, holy shit. And Trinity is cool as shit. That whole escape where she just barely escapes uh, through the, the, the phone tells you how to escape, tells you how serious it is when you're in there, how, how green, it how is. green things are going to be, how green everything <laughs> yes. is, tells you how dirty hallways are, mm-hmm. how tells you how black leather can be or vinyl. <laughs> and uh, yeah, like uh, it's a great, it sets up the world, it sets up the look, and damn, is it just, like, thrilling as all hell. Yes. Uh, yeah. did, did anyone see that in the theater? I did. I might have. When she jumped in the air, people lost their mind. I. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, you'd was, never seen anything no, like that Little had never seen anything like that. When the camera spins around, people were like, you would have thought people were having heart attacks in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I remember there being a big buzz about the Matrix because I didn't see it right away. And that's, you know, everybody went and saw it. Everybody started making this big buzz about it. Then I finally went and saw it. I saw it in a theater with maybe like five people. And the guy that went with me had already seen it, but he was like, I'll go see it again. He, yeah. he was he fell asleep while we were watching. It's <laughs> like, you're not selling this movie on me, man. But And this wasn't no. Jason? No, this was not Jason. Oh, just checking. <laughs> Dude, Matrix. I didn't I didn't even think about that one. Really? That yeah, was, it was that one of the was ones one that, that came, came to my, my mind. mind. Yeah. Yeah? Do you say yeah. to you, Brad? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's Mr. Anderson. Now you guys yeah. are starting to brain meld. Yeah. So. yeah. Chainsaw and Dave over here. Oh, I got to tell you, I love this film. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're going through these fast. So, Brad, we're on to number two for you. Number two. Yeah. Brad. So this one would be, I think, the kickoff to modern horror films and it is 1996's Scream. You like scary movies? Uh Uh-huh. What's your favorite scary movie? The opening of Scream is the greatest horror film opening of all time. What did you say? When Casey gets killed, um, it, it, it is just, it's the brutalness of it. The guy calling it. I mean, it's been parodied now so many times that it's yeah. kind of hard to take serious. But, you know, watching it at the time and he's in the house and then he, you know, comes up behind her and stabs her. I don't know if I remember Freddie or Jason really being that sort of gruesome. And that just could be me misremembering, but I remember Ghostface killing Casey from behind and just being like, this is something I had never seen before. Mm. Cause it was like the first horror film to me that I was like old enough to see while it was out. Mm-hmm. I had gone back obviously and seen Friday the 13th and nightmare and Halloween and Texas chainsaw, all those. But this one to me is like, Oh, this is when modern horror kind of, uh, comes into, um, my life. And so, you know, Kevin Williamson's excellent uh, script that's been, again, tried. Look at all the urban legends and uh, I know what you did last summers and all that stuff that tries to, you know, steal this. But yeah, it's uh, great. The fact that nobody expected Drew Barrymore to, you know, to die. She was on the posters. You assume she's the final girl. They break that rule immediately. They kill off the, the quote, final girl, unquote. 
uh, right away. It was a gut punch. You just you, your jaw dropped, and, and then at that point in time, I remember you can't, seeing ra- that you can't the raise the well. stakes any higher than that. Yeah, right. Yeah. Absolutely. I, mean, I, I don't know if a movie had been that ballsy with its main character, or well, quote unquote main character, when you introduced them right. in the movie since Psycho. I mean, your, your biggest, yeah, your your biggest draw, your biggest name in your movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that dead was in ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, I mean we all we all you know gush about Nev Campbell as the, the it girl in Scream now, but at that point in time when we were hearing about Scream, it was that Drew Barrymore was in that movie. We didn't even really give a shit about Nev Campbell at that Nobody, point. Nobody, yeah, time. yeah. You know, no, she no. was just on a on a. I still don't. <laughs> hey. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Apparently, I mean, the Scream franchise doesn't either. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they don't. Uh, Eric's not too crazy about the Scream franchise either. I mean, I, I don't think he can deny that that opening scene in the first Scream is is the. I believe I legend, said it. You can pull the clip if you want. I believe I I gave it its due in our Scream yeah. uh, episode. But it's great. I agree. That's a great choice. I agree with you there, Brad. I I don't have it on my list, but I I was thinking it probably would be on one of ours. I'll be right back. But that'll bring me to my number two, and this is going to a a theater experience. And for a movie that kind of harkens back to a movie that meant so much to me as a young, as a young one is, you know, We've already done an episode on Batman 89 and how much I really wanted to see that when I was a kid and how much Batman meant to me. And we've talked about how much Batman means to all of us. When they announced that they were were doing The Dark Knight and Heath Ledger was going to be playing the Joker, I was like, I don't. I don't know how I'm going to like this, but um, (laughs) but I went to that theater. And when the first 10 minutes of this movie happened, I was like, I'm on Bored because yeah. the beginning of the Dark Knight is one of the best opening sequences in a fucking movie period. Yep, I agree. You and, and your friends are dead. <laughs> and, and any any notion that I would have thought that Heath Ledger couldn't pull that part off, he changed my mind in that opening sequence. I believe whatever doesn't kill you simply makes you. Stranger. Ledger's Joker is just crazy. Yeah. You know, I, I liked him already. I knew he was a good actor. I think most of us probably felt that way. But yeah, you didn't know what you were going to get. He made something so unique. I don't know if there's another scene where an actor really just pulls their dick out and just says, here it is. Like, <laughs> yeah, checkmate. Like Heath Ledger knocked it out of the park for me and went on to not just in the opening scene of The Dark Knight, kill it for the entire fucking movie and blew me away. And that's why it's at my number two. Why don't you give me your number two there, Eric, buddy? My number two, this one might, I I, I might get some pushback on this one because uh, you could make an argument that this isn't quite an opening scene, but I think it's close enough and it's our podcast and who cares. (laughs) But I, I would say the... The storming of Normandy in Saving Private Ryan. I, I've seen a lot of war films. Wow. I mean, what can you say about that scene? It is brutal. It is wonderfully executed. It's one of the most amazing few minutes of film, yeah. period. Talking about its place in the film and its importance in the film, it, it, it certainly gives you an idea of the danger that everyone's in and the oh, stakes yeah. that they're dealing with. And it just recreates a moment in history in a way that is tough to say that anyone did it better. I mean, it's just, it, it feels like you're there. It, it puts you in the middle of the storming of Normandy. I, 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 what else can you say? I don't know. It's just crazy. You got to give it up to Spielberg, man. If, if anything, like if you doubted anything Spielberg did up until that point, it's like, you know, whether he's getting into family-friendly territory or not making the movies that you enjoyed when he was in his 20s. Like, this was, again, to reference Brad's uh, reference, uh, him throwing his dick out and going, uh, <laughs> it's a Spielberg's I can, dick. Yep. I can do this. <laughs> and, oh, does he? And, like, like the, the thing that sticks with me in that scene is when you see the water rushing up onto the onto the shore and it's just it's red. It's all red. Yep. It's just red. 
and it's yeah. there you go God with Spielberg and, and his, his his play of the color red again just messing with your emotions but yeah man I, I didn't see that movie in theaters I saw it a, a few years after and I yeah that was one of those where it's just like you watch it with your jaw on the floor and you can't really it's like you don't know how to feel about it except knowing you just watched a master filmmaker just throw his dick out on the table, man. Yeah. It's, Every uh, time I watch it, it blows me away. And I don't, it's not a movie I watch all the time. I, I assume there aren't people that watch that movie all the time. But boy, when it comes on, it's just like, wow, I can't believe how good this is. I forget like, I how many people are in that movie, dude. Oh, like, there's, there's a lot. So oh, yeah. many people in that movie. Between like, that and Thin Red Line, to like, of, yeah. you know, of that era, like the amount of names in those movies are. Yeah, because we all thought Barry Pepper was going to be like the biggest actor of all time coming out of Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> you thought it. Don't lie. You thought Barry Pepper was going to be in your life for a long time. Don't tell I, me what I thought. I fucking <laughs> forgot Vin Diesel was in it, man. I, I remember we watched it not too long ago, and I remember yeah. when Vin Diesel came on screen, I was like, holy fuck, dude, I forgot he was in this. The Diesel. All right, well, that's Eric's number two, Saving Private Ryan. So before we get to our number ones, we're going to go ahead and throw out a handful of our honorable mentions. So we'll go ahead and throw it over to Brad. So I wanted to to, to think a little bit outside the box for my honorable mentions. So I have the first one, which is arguably the only good part of this movie. Um, it is Belly, um, the oh. Hype Williams film. I actually um, haven't seen that. I haven't seen Belly so either. They basically open up on DMX and Nas kind of walking through this strip club um, then they walk through these like black lights and to like basically get to the bathroom and then they kill a guy. It's the best part of belly by, uh, by a long shot. Um, and I like that movie. It's basically like a hype Williams video for right. the first yeah. few minutes, which is great. And you're kind of a hip hop guy, right? Yes, very much so. Yeah. 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 So seeing DMX and Nas get out of a, sure, yeah. they got out of a car together is pretty cool. <laughs> um, my second one was uh, Full Metal Jacket with the uh, Hello Vietnam by uh, Johnny Wright. Ooh. And uh, shaving all their heads and then going directly into Arlie Ermey, just tearing people up uh, some new assholes for a while. Who the fuck said that? Who's the slimy little communist shit twinkle toad cocksucker down here who just signed his own death warrant? And again, that does a great job of onboarding people on like, this is how this movie's gonna be. Um, and then my last one, is another film that I love quite a bit, and it's Rounders. It's when Mike goes oh. and uh, does uh, his first little game with Teddy KGB, and uh, we get to hear John Malkovich's uh, accent that he does. <laughs> and still to this day, I, I love that interview with Matt Damon where he was at the table read and he does it for the first time. Like, we're talking like this, and suddenly the action, if you don't hey my money and the crew bursts into applause they're cheering they're like wow amazing amazing and i'm looking at him and i guess he sees me looking at him and he leans across the table and i lean in and he looks at me and he goes i'm a terrible actor <laughs> and it was just it's literally one of my favorite things that's ever happened on, on a movie <laughs> Teddy KGB is one of my favorite characters, but if we were doing ending sequences, Rounders might be my favorite ending of a movie. Maybe uh, maybe add that to the, to the yeah. list, Josh. That's yeah. an interesting yeah, yeah, take. Yeah, for sure. Or final scenes or... I haven't seen Rounders in forever, man. It's been a long time. All right, I guess I'll go ahead and throw mine out there. Um, yeah. My first one, uh, maybe stirring up some controversy out there. I don't know. We'll find out. But I'm going with Friday the 13th, uh, the one from 2009, the remake. Ooh, no, I like that one. Whoa. That's the best it, part of that movie. A lot of people have a problem with this movie as a remake of, of, of essentially the first four Friday the 13th movies. I think it's a great representation of what happens within the first four movies of that series. And the opening of this one is just great. I mean, it's let me see. I wrote it down here. It's 23 minutes and 52 seconds till you get the title card smash at the beginning of that. That's awesome. I kind of love that. I haven't seen this movie, Josh. When he I, runs out of it. the forest and hits that girl with the machete in the head, that's my favorite kill in the whole series. Well, it's not. It's 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 worth watching. Happy, but... It's worth watching just the first 23 minutes mm -hmm. for that opening scene. You don't even have to watch the rest of it. And there's gratuitous nudity in that beginning too. <laughs> you 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 get everything you're in store for in those first 23 minutes of this movie. I tell you what. <laughs> 
but uh, there's that one. I'm going to go with, I know I'm on a, a show right now with two guys who don't really appreciate musicals the way I do, but the opening sequence of La La Land. I thought that might be on your list because I know you're a La La Land fan. I like La La Land. And it's just, again, went to the theater, saw it. I, I have a thing for musicals. It gave me Singing in the Rain vibes. And the fact that they shut down the L.A. freeway and filmed that scene. Yeah, it's just an impressive undertaking. Like, it's yeah. just an impressive feat to have done that with all that. And, yeah, I agree. It's pretty amazing. It's another day of sun. When it smashes to that title card, La La Land, it, it, it almost it like kind of makes me emotional, man. I'm like, I don't see movies like this anymore. Part of what I love about watching old movies and La La Land captures that in a great way is lots of extras. That's so much now because now it's so easy to just fill in a crowd. They don't yep. even put people in. You know, if you've got an auditorium full of people, they don't put them in anymore. They CGI at all. I mean, that's what's so hard about that ending sequence of uh, of Bohemian Rhapsody is I can mm. tell that they're not in fucking Live Aid, you know? Like, right, it looks, right. It looks fake as shit. <laughs> that was your problem with Bohemian Rhapsody? Well, no, I haven't seen that no, movie. But... More problems with Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> I, I agree, Josh. When you see somebody take the effort to put all these people, choreograph all these people, yeah. I'm not a big musical guy, but. I do like La La Land. That's one of the few musicals I enjoy, and that scene is incredible because they're all in sync. They're all they're all amazing. Every person on screen is amazingly talented, and there's freaking hundreds of yeah. them. I mean, it's mm -hmm. just nuts. And you don't even have your yeah. starring cast in that opening sequence. It's literally yeah. just the people dancing and singing. And it's a great song, and it's a great. I mean, all of it's great. Yeah, yeah, it's good. And my last one, I'm gonna throw out there, which may I don't know. We'll just go ahead and put it out there. I'm gonna say my last one is Pulp Fiction. Pretty smart, huh? Okay. Mm. That crossed my mind. Well, it's not the most exciting opening sequence. Again, the first time I saw it, I was like, the fuck is this movie I'm about to watch? You know? And it's a movie my wife and I quote to each other almost every day. I mean, we call each other Pumpkin and Honey Bunny. So. Oh. I love you, Pumpkin. I love you, Honey Bunny. I say a please would be nice all the time, but... Um... I call my wife Motherfucker all the time. So <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a mushroom cloud laying motherfucker, motherfucker. All right, Eric, give us your honorable mentions. You know, a lot of these really set the tone for, in, in many cases, drama, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to include something with some comedy. Um, the, the opening scene of Super Troopers. You smell something, Rabbit? Fear. <laughs> are, are you familiar familiar with this, Brad? Oh yes, yeah. Poor kid in the back seat has to eat <laughs> multiple bags of weed and mushrooms <laughs> or whatever. The cops are just screwing with the kids. Um, they 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 leave and come back and they say the same thing just to mess <laughs> with the kids. Uh, that entire sequence is hysterical. The kids are scared shitless. Yeah, candy bars. I mean, <laughs> what more can you ask for? Uh, that's hysterical. Josh will like this. Fury Road, Mad Max Fury Road. I don't give a shit about this movie. <laughs> Fuck you, man. <laughs> this movie's amazing. No. Thank you. Uh, that's one we... I mean, it's there and back again, on. but it's fine. It's totally great. Pure garbage. <laughs> but when, he, when he swings out onto the hook... And then he comes back and they drag him into the door. The door's shut. They got the thing over his face. And then you get that title card, which is metal as fuck. Chrome ass Mad Max with the fire fury road. You're like, buckle up. This shit's going to be like a fucking crazy ride. And it is. Uh, so I love that movie. Uh, buckle up for a movie that has Mad Max and mostly Furosa. Furiosa is awesome. Yeah, it's Furiosa, Furiosa awesome. not Furiosa, okay? <laughs> you don't know shit. Uh, also, uh, my next one, I watched the beginning of this movie thinking, hell yeah, dude, I love the fifth element. The beginning of this movie <laughs> is so rad looking. It looks beautiful on my brand new TV. Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Movie is not great after that, that in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> but the opening scene is so cool. So, just so much chemistry <laughs> oozing off the screen in that movie. <laughs> I hate Dane DeHaan or whatever oh, yeah. his name is. I don't like that other girl. Rihanna's cool. But that movie starts so great. I love the look of it. 
that beach. The... And I've got one, a new one. Uh, my, well, that was three. Whoa, my... whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you cheating? <laughs> I know. I, I have one more. I have one more. I have to mention it. Sorry. Josh, may I? I'll allow it. Thank you. I just watched the uh, All Quiet on the Western Front. Ooh, oh, the, the new, new one? one on Netflix? Yeah. Yes. Uh, it's excellent, first of all. I had Spoiler alert, it's my favorite film of last year. Oh, well, hell yeah. It was great and um, heavy, obviously. Mm -hmm. But the opening scene, you, you, you see a battle scene and you watch as these men, unfortunately, die. And then you watch as their bodies are getting carried and then they're stripped. And then their clothes are shipped via train and then they're washed, washed. and then the, and then you see the the seamstresses uh patching holes from the bullet holes explosions tears whatever in these things and then you see our main characters get their uniforms handed to them that have been you know handed down from previously dead soldiers and wow. you see the machine of war right then in the opening of the film and it is incredibly effective beautifully shot beautifully uh composed a every scene of that film is beautifully composed first yeah. of all but for as dirty as and muddy as it is like it's still looks oh, it's, beautiful it's gorgeous i mean like you want to talk about people talk about like movies where every frame could be framed and put in a in a picture on your wall yeah, that's right. what this movie is like it's it's absolutely gorgeous but the subject matter is, of course, incredibly bleak and yeah. dramatic and terrible. But damn, that that opening, watching, basically following the uniform go from one soldier to another is incredibly effective. And yeah, so I had to I had to put that on the list. It's too soon to put it on my all time top four, but I had to include it. All right, well, it's time for the big the, the big reveal of the number ones, our number one opening scene. Brad, I'm throwing it over to you. Hit us, oh, hit us shit, with the Brad. big one. Yeah. That's your oh, number shit. one opening now, scene of all time. I'm curious if we'll have some overlap here. Let's okay. go, Brad. Yeah, well, me too. while not my favorite one of his movies, I consider this his best film. It is from 2009. It is Inglorious Bastards. It is mine as well. Yeah. <laughs> so when she moves the blanket out of the way and you see the Nazis coming up there and it, you know, well, when first we get the in Once Upon a Time in Nazi occupied France. Mm, yep. And then you get speaking French and then you get Hans Landa and then you kind of get this building up of tension. No, uh, you you can't gloss over the introduction of Hans Landa. Like he's yeah. one of the best on-screen villains of the past twenty years, dude. Merci. Yeah, he is. This yeah. guy comes on screen and like this is the introduction. Not even the introduction to Hans Landa, but introduction to Christoph Waltz, basically. Yeah. Uh, Christoph yeah. Waltz built a career off this scene. Yeah. Yes, yes. And oh man, like his, him walking in the door to this cabin. And like, just again, throwing his dick on the table, <laughs> dipping his dick in his milk glass. <laughs> yeah. Well, well when he, yeah, when he pulls out the pipe, it's like, yeah, my dick is bigger than your dick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? But I always my favorite part of this scene, and it's such a little minor detail, but they walk in and the girls are are his daughters are standing there. He gives a look to Charlotte and she looks down and looks back up and he kind of looks down you know, like, there's something going on here that isn't yeah. right. And then he starts, Hans Linus starts talking about rats and how Jewish people were like rats and they would, you know, dwell under the floor and all this stuff. And then, like, there's this buildup of tension. It is just an unbelievable scene. So Kill Bill Volume 2 came out in 2004. This one came out in 2006. In between, we got Death Proof. Mm. And a part of me was like, maybe Tarantino isn't, maybe, I don't know, like, what... Death yeah, Proof is my favorite. 2009. Yeah, 2009. So, yeah. like, Death Proof's 2007. And I so know, that was shaky, and, wasn't and it? And I'm like, uh-oh. And then he comes out <laughs> with Inglorious Bastards, and I'm like, this guy yeah. is unbelievable. He took it to a whole other level. Like, it, the step up, like, I love the Kill Bill, but the step up from just a filmmaker quality from those mm -hmm. films to Inglorious Bastards is... Mm -hmm. And I know, like he says, he saw there will be blood. He saw no country for old men. It was like, 
it made him a better filmmaker because of the fact that he saw those. He was like, right. I don't know if I could do those. Then he comes out with Inglorious Bastards and the rest is like, it's it's a perfect film. You know, they speak four or five different languages in that movie. It's got just great scene after great scene. I Yeah, and this scene builds so much tension and Tarantino did that with us in Pulp Fiction with the with the cheeseburger scene, basically. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're building tension there, but this was this was something I remember watching this for the first time going, I don't know, is this a Tarantino movie I'm watching? Like it didn't feel like something of his. No, he he leveled up with this. And and, yeah. and I think kind of like I was saying, I didn't want to include All Quiet on the Western Front because it was so new. I think I think people are kind of holding off on Inglorious Bastards to kind of let some time go by film people. I, I feel like Inglorious Bastards is truly like a masterpiece. And I agree, like this opening scene almost made my list very close. I thought I'd see it on one of your lists. Uh, it's an example of Tarantino finding an actor that wasn't really known and putting a spotlight on him and letting him be amazing, which Waltz did. Ooh, that's a bingo. <laughs> And then also, yeah, you're you're right. He he improved on things that he had already done, like the cheeseburger, and brought it into a whole nother level of filmmaking where it feels epic. It feels. Uh, I mean, the sheer cin the cinematography in that opening scene is amazing. Yeah. Yep. Unlike just anything think about, he'd shot before. Just think about his original cast that he wanted. He wanted Leonardo DiCaprio to be Hans Landa. And it's how much of a different movie that is when yeah, it's not yeah. Christoph Waltz. Like it, for sure, it doesn't work. It like no. Leonardo DiCaprio is an amazing actor. He, it just does not work. And it's even even more mind blowing to know that he he Christoph Waltz came on set and killed it as Hans Landa. Is that the way you say it? That's a bingo. You just say bingo. Bingo! How fun! To then go into Django and us love him as yeah. his character yeah. as yeah. Dr. King Schultz and that. So, you know, yeah, the discovery of Christoph Waltz and the fact that he's brought into Tarantino's universe. I'm kind of sad that we haven't seen him since Django, but that's a scene that we'll remember in 50 years. And right now it's it's still kind of fresh and people want to say, yeah, that's great. But no, it's going to stand the test of time. It's so. 21 minutes long. The entire conversation between he and Monsieur Lapatite is is really <laughs> tense because you you as a viewer don't really know what's going on until they show you what's under the floorboards right. and the moment he looks at uh, uh, the guy and just says you're hiding people under their floorboards aren't you his face sinks and then you look over at hans landa and his face changes it, it, it changes the entire dynamic of that scene in that moment and then the why do we not talk so much about that actor? Because that guy across the table is doing an amazing job as well. Oh yeah, I, I mean just to have I, to play I, off. I don't what? know if he's just a French actor or what, but I don't know. Yeah, he's just well, a French actor. Denise, I forget what his last name is, but it's Dennis something. Denise. Yeah, he I mean looked, we all know Waltz is amazing, but that yeah. dude is it, is the other side of that. Yeah, table. you look back on hindsight, he's like he's holding his own with Christoph Waltz in that scene. Absolutely, it should yeah, be absolutely is. Definitely, and if he wasn't, applauded. it wouldn't work so well. Yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, for sure. But I kind of figured Brad and I would cross over here. Uh, <laughs> it was either going to be this or Pulp Fiction. Brad and I share the same kind of love for these two movies. I mean, I'm I'm also on Brad's side with Pulp Fiction is my favorite Tarantino movie. Inglorious Bastards is his best yes. movie. Yes. It, it is it is him at his peak. And the only reason yeah, I, I didn't kind of pick agree. I gotta agree. Pulp though. fiction at all is because I think the second scene with the introduction of Jules and Vincent is better. It's like eh, your second your second scene is better than your first, so you're I don't know if I could include your opening scene in the best if the second scene kind of is way better to me. <laughs> but the way the opening scene plays into the finale of the yes, movie yes, is, you're what, right. is what makes it. Um, so I mean, it was it was a hard to 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 kind of pick one over the over the other for this, but I have to give it to Inglorious Bastard just for the fact that that they build such good tension. It's the introduction of an iconic villain in that scene, and I, I just love the way it ends too with him. <laughs> it's a great opening scene, man. Well, Eric, that leaves you, my friend. You're gonna close it out with your best your best opening scene. Well, it's a good thing I'm here because uh, this is a scene that needs to be represented in a top four. 
and uh you know your your scene was excellent i i i it nearly made my list i love it um but this scene truly is i think in my opinion the greatest opening scene in film history and uh i'm gonna i'm gonna have to go with raiders of the lost ark oh yes uh this opening is basically you could have this as a short for indie and it would represent indie for all time you, you this would be a, a this lets you know everything you need to know about indie for all three movies um yeah. you get everything you get you get traps you get you get his sense of humor you get how badass he is you understand how he's afraid of snakes even <laughs> and how uh, much that hat you understand yeah and how much he loves his hat and how i and 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 all his skill set you understand that he you know wants things to be in a museum maybe that'll be a british museum <laughs> or you know that's uh, an argument for another day but the point is he is about the art not about getting rich uh and uh yeah you get to learn everything you need to know about indy in a amazingly cinematic way and yeah it's thrilling i remember being a kid and watching this and it just blowing my mind yeah it's got to be indie from the very first mention of this segment or this top four uh i knew it would be raiders for me as my number one is this the high point of all of the indie action sequences i mean gosh the spherical boulder i mean rolling out there's nothing probably more iconic than that right for sure Right. I mean, if you think Indiana Jones, you think this boulder rolling after him. Yeah. That's it. I mean, and Indy is, you know, anyone who's listened to the show knows I'm a huge Indiana Jones fan. Uh, he was the hero of my childhood that I loved the most. So I had to pick this. I mean, that's just all there is. I mean, you could argue with Jaws, Indiana Jones, Jurassic Park. Isn't that crazy that it's all the same could, director? <laughs> Saving Private Ryan that Spielberg yeah, right? has written the book on opening sequences of films. It's pretty nuts. You want to talk about, yeah, best opening scenes for a director? That's that's a, a strong list. It also comes from, as you guys brought up earlier, James Bond, because he was very much influenced by the cold opens for James Bond. So sure. he brought a lot of that sure. into the, to the films he was making. Like Nathan and I have talked about it on the show quite a bit about how we'll see scenes in Bond movies that are directly like scenes out of The Last Crusade or stuff that was uh, from Live and Let Die that influenced Temple of Doom. Like there's so right. much Bond stuff in, in, in Spielberg's work, it's crazy. Yeah, the episodic uh, nature of like the 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 um, what do you call them? Like the 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 like the pulp magazines and the you know yeah. the yeah. those kinds of things. I mean, that's that's where all this comes from. And Indy's just like a Bond character, really. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I would just call him the rugged Bond. <laughs> He's yeah, a lot dirtier than Bond. He's the blue collar Bond. It's the American Bond, dude. Great number one, man. Well, that's all of our top four. I mean, damn, we we really didn't cross over at all. No, I'm a surprised. Couple, but yeah, I'm surprised. I'm surprised Josh, you and I didn't. We Josh. had fifty percent of the same. <laughs> we didn't get Jaws on there, Josh. I thought for sure you were going to throw Jaws on there, especially with your with your current garb. Kind of a misdirect. I mean, I've always talked about how my favorite movie is Jaws, and yes, it has a great opening scene, but for me, like. Jaws as a whole was just something special when I was a kid and now. So like the opening scene is just part of the whole of that movie for me. Like it just, it continues to get better and better and better and better throughout for me. So yeah, it definitely deserves to be on a list, but it's, it's just, it, it, it's more, more than just an opening scene to me. So Sure. Sure. I almost thought about Star Wars as well. New Hope. Yeah. Yeah. That opening yeah, scene. Yeah. Um, real quick, uh, even though he's not here, Jason was uh, oh, gracious yeah. enough to send us his top four. So I'm going to throw those out there real quick. His number four was Scream, which would have crossed over with Brad. His number three, Friday the 13th, 2009, which came up in my honorable mentions. Oh. The Dark Knight, which was my number two. We would have crossed over there, Chainsaw and Dave. And <laughs> if you know Jason, you know what Halloween. his number one is. Halloween. I mean... <laughs> 
Jason, you're right, buddy. 75% horror. Good job. Yeah. yeah. His uh, honorable mentions he threw out were Jaws, Blade, and Saving Private Ryan. Oh, oh Blade is good with the with the yeah. blood shower. Yeah, yeah. That's good stuff. I need yeah, to go back good. and watch the at least the first two Blade movies. Do people sleep not. on the Blade movies? Oh, yeah. like, like, they don't get enough of their due now. People are always I like... I remember liking the second one all the second lot. one's really good too yeah and man uh, del toro uh, yeah good shit it's good for sure so any other any other opening scenes you guys want to just throw out there for the people and just say hey maybe this is something you want to think about i mean i mean i was told i wasn't allowed to do that but watchmen uh, i think watchmen has a great stuff opening. out there 28 weeks later oh yeah oh yeah yeah that's good that's good I said Watchmen. I'll say it again. Watchmen. Watchmen's a good one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I also had uh, Dawn of the Dead remake. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. With, with the girl and stuff. Yeah, with the little girl. Yeah, yeah. I brought it. I brought up the It Chapter 1, the opening scene with the... Yeah, I mean, this was kind of a tough one for me to, to instantly think of some things. Like I said, I had to paw around a little bit and end up knocking one down. And But, uh, I mean, there's definitely... I'm, I'm always excited when a movie can capture me in the first few minutes. I mean... There's definitely yeah. the slow burns out there that you kind of want to sit and, and kind of meander with before you get into the whole shebang of the movie. But man, like uh, off mic, Brad and I were talking about the, the beginning of Tenet and how Tenet is just kind of crazy. And Christopher oh, yeah. Nolan is another one who's kind of drawn inspiration from Bond movies. You can see a lot of sure. a lot of Bond I coming mean, out. Dark Knight Rises opening is pretty good, yeah. too. Yeah. I like the uh, opening for your next Oh yeah, yeah, yeah with yeah. the Dwight Tilly band song. That mm. I, man, I listen to that song so many times. <laughs> that song's you have to listen to that song so many times in that movie. It just keeps repeating over and over. I dude, it, it made it on a playlist after that movie. I was like, Dwight <laughs> Tilly band, let's go. You as listeners, share whatever you uh, think for yeah, opening would, scenes. Let us know. What do they do in that the like comments. in the comments below? Like, yeah, I think in the comments below would be an excellent. I mean, you could email it or. You know, but comments would be the easiest way, probably. <laughs> well, Brad, uh, what do you guys got coming up on Not a Bomb here in the next uh, couple weeks? Well, we are doing Bromance Month right now. So we've done Tango and Cash. We did Miami Vice, the Michael Mann film, and we're doing yeah. uh, Fight Club. And then lastly, we're doing uh, Showdown in Little Tokyo. So, nice. yeah, those are our. Showdown in Little Tokyo. Yes, sir. Is one of the best uh, references to Dolph Lundgren's penis I've ever heard in my life. Yep. Yes, it does. <laughs> yes, it does. So I'm I'm curious to look back on Fight Club with a little bit more critical eye, especially in 2023 with sort of the toxic masculinity tilt that that movie has and yeah. consumerism <laughs> and all that stuff. So we'll see how that goes. It's, it's hard to hate on Fincher, man. I, I love me some David Fincher. You know, he's got some great openings of films as well. He does. All right. Well, we're going to let fate determine what our next top four is going to be. We're going to go to the wheel. Oh, shit. The wheel's coming out now? I did oh. not know. Look at this wheel. God damn. Oh, look at this wow. wheel. Oh, you spared no expense. That's Spare a real ass wheel. We got a budget on this show. Yeah. 43 cents. That's our budget. <laughs> All right, let's see what so, happens. Ready, cash, be damned. There's a. I'm not gonna go through what all's on here. We're just gonna tell you what it lands on. No, just that. yeah. Don't worry about it. Let's roll. Ready? Spin or, spin away. If I start having a seizure or something, it's because I'm watching that wheel. <laughs> it's like the Price is what, Right. It's like the big wheel. And our next top four will be top four parties in movies oh oh damn parties top four God parties damn. <laughs> That's we fun. have a lot to choose from on this one folks you have a whole series <laughs> <laughs> all right Hell so yeah. we're coming back with our next top four it will be our top four parties in movies for everyone brad unfortunately i don't think you're going to be on that one so you can't oh. join, join in the party on that one but we want to thank you so you can much. leave a comment brad wow. you can leave yeah. a comment Nothing like being told you're not coming back. <laughs> oh, thanks, Josh. Uh, fate might decide that you do need to come back for that yeah. one. Who knows? We'll find out. But we want to thank you so much for coming on and doing your top four opening scenes with us. We had a blast. Hope you had some fun talking awesome. movies with yeah, us. Yeah, thank you. 
Thanks for coming, Brad. Good to see you. And if you want to get some VHS Files merch, hit up our Redbubble store. You can go to the link in the description box below, get you some VHS Files merch, represent. Make sure to check out our friends over at Cavity Colors. You get 10% off your entire order at the uh, VHS Files podcast code in the description box below. So make sure you check that out. Until we see you the next time, thank you for liking, commenting, subscribing, and we want you to be kind. Rewind! I did it. You did it. Good work. Yay! Hell yeah. Good having you on, Brad. Good yeah. to see you, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Does what's what am I missing in the unrated version? A lot of dick. Penis. <laughs> dick. Hogs. Lots of hog. <laughs> Stars guard hog. Oh, really? It's is it his actual hog or mm, I don't know. Why are hog we having or? this conversation? One right could only now. hope. <laughs> Josh wants to know if it's sh- shorn or 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 Harry. No. That's what I Josh wants. The, the record show. I did not bring this up this time. The record shows otherwise, Josh. You the record shows otherwise, my friend. You like pubes. Okay? Period. Uh <laughs> Oh, oh my god, Josh! You will cut that out of this episode. <laughs> I'm sorry, Brad. If I that was down. awesome. Oh, my earbuds fell out. Whoa. My earbuds shot out of my ears. <laughs> that's gonna. That's getting cut. <laughs> Please cut that. Uh, <laughs>